Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome you to a new series that we're kicking off this weekend. I'm excited about it. I want to welcome those that are in our video service here at the Keller campus there. Uh, we have many of you are a part of our Hazlitt launch team. We're excited about here coming up our big Hazlitt launch meeting. So I'm thinking about all of you, thinking about those of you watching online as well, or maybe someone who may watch this message later. Would you put your hands together? Welcome all those that are joining us. We had a unique year last year. And then as we turned the page to the new year, I gave you a theme or a thesis that we would rally around this year because there were so many things that were out of our control. There are some things that we can participate in in changing our reality. And so I kicked the new year off with this theme, and that is that this year we may not be able to impact or affect everything, but one thing we can do is we can grow spiritually. We can grow spiritually. And in that series of messages and thoughts, I outlined something that I've had on my heart this whole year, and that is that part of what I believe God would desire for you to grow in is what's going to happen over the next four weeks as we start this series called Empowered. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. In my life, I have to say that one of the greatest growth periods, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a Christian home and I grew up in a church that preached the word, but I have to tell you, there was an acceleration in my spiritual growth in my early 20s when I began to get around people who had a better understanding of the Holy Spirit. It just began to change my life. It changed how I came to church. It changed my personal Bible reading. It changed my ability to impact others. It, it changed not just my understanding about the facts and figures of God, but it really changed my experience with God. I had a friend of mine recently said, Pastor Jeff, you know, I know you, I, I know your, your parenting, I, I know your, your understanding of this area of scripture, this person, the Holy Spirit, and he said, I think sometimes maybe you minimize the uh, sharing of that in everyday life, and I, I took that as, how many of you know sometimes your friends can give you a little word of wisdom from God, and I said, you know, you're, you're right. I've built in my home an atmosphere where we welcome the Holy Spirit into our parenting, into our kids' lives. Uh, my kids have seen the Holy Spirit do amazing things. I'm talking with one of my children that's out of the house now, and they actually were sharing with someone that was struggling with one of their children, and they were asking one of my, my children about that, and they said that, I had an experience on a mission trip where I saw God's power do something amazing, and he said, that marked me and changed me. It didn't make me a perfect teenager. Believe me, I can share with you all their sins and flaws. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? But I think in our world, in our culture, in our specific context, a lot of times we're, we're fairly underdeveloped in this area. I know for me, I thought about it this week as I thought about you, for me, 
I was kind of like those people in Acts chapter 19. I'm going to read a verse in Acts 19, share with you something, but we're really going to go to John 16. If you want to go to the Bible, if you have it, mobile device, or you have the scriptures there, we're going to go to John 16, and we're going to kick this series off, and we're going to talk about this all month. I'm going to be sharing the messages. We're going to unpack it step by step. We're going to look at a lot of different aspects of scripture, but I know for me, I was a lot like these people in Acts 19. My son, when he was a senior in high school, we read the book of Acts together the entire year. My youngest daughter right now, we have a poster in her room, and for the last year, we've been studying the book of Acts, and I don't know if you've read the book of Acts, but it's like, blow your mind. It's not real Western. It's not real American. It's not real North Fort Worth-ish. It's not real empirical. It's actually mind-blowing. There's a place in these passages of Scripture where we see the story of the early church, and it says that the Apostle Paul was going over through Ephesus. He might have been going through my hometown and the way we did church and the way we related to God. And it says he went through this region of Ephesus, and he found some disciples there. So these are not totally uneducated people about God. And he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said what most of the people I went to church with growing up said. We have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, we had heard about him, but we didn't really know him. We didn't really want to invite him into the mix because we like things we can control and he doesn't fit in any of our boxes. So we like things that are real logical, real analytical, and so the Holy Spirit tends to kind of change that up, mess us up a little bit. So in the church I grew up in, we talked about him, we just didn't really talk to him much. We just didn't let him show up a whole lot. A lot of opinions when I say we're going to do a four-part series on the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of different ideas about that, a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different experiences, and all of us are coming from different places, and we have a lot of different ideas about who he is and what he does. And I remember when Ron was a lost young man finding his way and gave his life to Christ. I remember when Azu accepted Christ with my wife and Isn't it cool to see the generational pattern now? It's just, I'm sitting in a place where now I'm watching the children of the people who gave their life to Christ get water baptized. We used to go skiing a little bit with the Stagel family and Lanny Kate, my youngest, she was little and Holden was little and he had a real creative mind, you know, and I was talking to them about the Holy Spirit. I said, have you guys ever heard of the Holy Spirit? You guys ever experienced the Holy Spirit? Holden was real creative. He goes, Pastor Jeff, I I know all about the Holy Spirit. I said, dude, do tell, Holden. He said, he's kind of like the tooth fairy. He's about this big, and he buzzes around, Pastor Jeff. He buzzes around wherever he wants to go. He's I was like, oh, really, really, Holden, really? He said, yeah, he just buzzes around. Lanny Kate was sitting there and said, Holden, that's not right. My daddy's the tooth fairy, and he's about two weeks late right now on my tooth. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. By the way, when you get to your fourth kid, you're like, we're just going to prepay them because we're not getting up. 
We're not playing the game anymore. We're tired. When you have your first kids, you know, come on, we're bad parents to the, it was like, you'd play the game, you get up, you sneak in there, you put a dollar. They start losing teeth by the hundreds. You know what I'm saying? I told them, look, here's my credit card. Y'all, I'm prepaying, all right? I'm not getting up. I'm not doing that anymore. Holden said the tooth fairy is the Holy Spirit. A recent survey of Christians found that 58% said the Holy Spirit was a symbol and not even a real person, 58%. Four foundational truths about the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna teach a little bit more this weekend because I wanna lay a foundation as we go into this series. First of all, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We worship a God who is one, yet three. He is God. He is a person, and he is active and working in the world. Jesus, though, what better place to go than Jesus to describe the Holy Spirit to us, to tell us, because he wanted his disciples to know this person. He wanted his disciples to experience this person, and Jesus, as we are in John 16, and looking at Jesus' description of him, John 14 through 16 is called the farewell discourse. It's Jesus having that last supper with his disciples, and they're very emotionally distraught. This is the most anxious time that they've ever had with Jesus, because their friend, their leader, their rabbi, their teacher, their Lord, the one they chose to drop all of their business interest and follow, this Jesus is leaving them. And if you really care about someone, then you want to give them everything you can to ease their anxiety and worry, and Jesus knows what they're going to need. So Jesus in this describes the Holy Spirit. In John 16, he says this, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Interesting. You're like, I wish Jesus could walk the earth. Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I leave because I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. That I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, notice person, not it, not force, he, he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, says of the Holy Spirit. He will take of mine, and he will disclose it to you, and all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine, and he will disclose it to you. He will disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit, Jesus describing him here, we're going to take a moment and look at some of these key things that Jesus talks about, but just this first week, we need to remember the Holy Spirit is present throughout the whole Bible. He should not be the missing member that we don't really know. 
The Holy Spirit was there at creation. He hovered over the waters. The Bible says in Genesis, let us make man in our own image. The Trinity was present when humanity was created. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, then we don't want to go. David said, how can I flee from your presence? Wherever I go, your presence is there. In the book of Joel, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh, on everyday human beings. See, in the Old Testament, only certain people were anointed. After Pentecost, when Jesus ascends to the Father and pours the Holy Spirit out, we all, the Bible says, in fact, this promise is for you, it's for your children, it's for everyone who's far off, it's available to all of us, and Joel prophesied that in the Old Testament. It's all the way through Scripture. I love this one, and Zechariah. I have to remind myself of this one. Because I know my weaknesses, I tend to try to fix it myself a lot of times. It's been one of my biggest weaknesses. I'll I'll figure it out. I'll I'll try to fix it myself. One thing about getting a little older is you become a little more patient and you allow God a little more room to work outside of you. I love this one. Not by might. Not by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. I just wanna encourage you with something. In this series, you wanna get closer to the Holy Spirit because he can say things to your kids that you'll never get them to hear from you. He can say things to your boss. He can change the heart of people around you. He can move in suddenlies like he did in the book of Acts outside of your ability to fix it or change it or figure it out because he's God. Jesus here describes him, gives us some understanding of him. By the way, 2 Timothy says he superintended the writing of this scripture right here, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit present throughout scripture. And Ephesians 4 says, because this is a relationship with a person, and this is what's very important for you to understand, Ephesians 4 says he can be grieved. You can grieve him. You can push him out of your home. You can push him out of your life. You can leave him on the sidelines. You can can have your power or you can have his power, but the Holy Spirit is a gentleman who generally comes in where invited. You can grieve him. Ephesians 4 warns us not to. Here's my first thought for us this weekend. If you dismiss the Holy Spirit, you cut yourself off from the advantage and the help God wants to give you. Jesus' big major descriptor here is the Greek word parakletos. Parakletos, the one who pleads another's case before a judge. It means counselor. It means advocate on our behalf. It means comforter. The word literally means to come alongside and help you. Who besides me could use a little more help in life? You don't have to do it on your own. Jesus said, I'm sending the parakletos, I'm sending the helper to help you with what you're doing. I'm here to come alongside you. There's a lot of factors as to why we dismiss the Holy Spirit, because some of us are like, man, I, I kind of, I, I don't know if I'm just rejecting him, but I'm obviously not inviting him. Think about the biggest problem you have right now. How many times you said, 
Holy Spirit, come into this meeting with me. Holy Spirit, come into this problem. Holy Spirit, come with me. Come, come help me. Come help me with this. How many times do we do that? If you're like me, a lot of times we just kind of get in there and we get to work and we roll our sleeves up and we just start working at it and doing it and we're using our power. And the Holy Spirit says, I can help. I can help. I can be your helper. I can come alongside you with it. And there's a lot of reasons why we do that. There's cultural reasons. You know, in the Bible, there were two groups primarily that the Apostle Paul in the New Testament was ministering to. There were Jewish people and there were Greek people. And a lot of times the Jewish people were more bent toward the mystical side of God. They were always asking for a sign for supernatural power. The Greeks come from more of an analytical, logical perspective. So when Paul went to minister to them in Acts 17, he reasoned with them. He reasoned with them a little bit more. We live, obviously, in a much more Greek, more empirical, kind of give me the facts, give me the five points, give me the YouTube video, let me do it myself, and I'll figure it out. So culturally, we are less experiential with God. I have to tell you, though, you have trouble reading the Bible from that perspective. Did you know this book is way more African, way more Eastern, Way more third world than it is first world. Way more. In fact, it's not a modern book. The Greek philosophy of life comes out of the modern era, the empirical test tube, the scientific method. It's not a modern book. It's not what people, sociologists say now is we're in a postmodern culture. So they say most young people, because of a lot of factors, have returned to a pre-modern view of spirituality, which is why there's more new age philosophy, more psychic, more all kinds of more openness to supernatural things. We'll never reach the next generation without supernatural power. I want you to know that. They are not coming to church to listen to our didactic philosophies about God alone. It doesn't mean that we have to get a lobotomy to read this because it can stand up to intellectual critique. It can stand up to reason. The Bible says to worship God not only, again, by the Spirit, but we can worship him with our mind. So I'm not dismissing that, but I am saying in this series, because I know the culture, because I'm in the culture, we need to lean. We need to lean a little bit toward this book that's not postmodern. It's really pre-modern. It's a pre-modern book. Y'all know there's some crazy stuff up in here? I mean, there's like fish swallowing people in this thing. In the book of Acts, there was a time where handkerchiefs healed people. I was reading through that with my daughter, and Lainey Kate said, Dad, you need to get you some handkerchiefs. I was like, well, I don't know if it's a pattern, but it did happen, but we'll try it. It's in there. It's in the book. Like, this is the book you hold in your hands. My mom was more bent towards spiritual things. I think there's some of its personality. My mom was an intercessory person. She was always praying, I want Jeff to love God and the Holy Spirit and prayer warrior, you know. My dad, pocket protector, mechanical pencil wearing engineer. 
If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. He was into the details, you know. When I was called to ministry, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came in my bedroom, said, I'm calling you into ministry. I walk out in our family room. I had crocodile tears. I said, I think God's calling me to ministry. My mom said, thank you, Jesus, I knew it. My dad says, sit down, boy, we're going to diagram this, see how you're going to pay your bills. (laughs) Personality plays into it. You know what I'm saying? My mom, she'd pray gas into the gas tank. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, there'll be no gas. I just right now thank you that the Holy Ghost is filling my tank. Somehow she made it to the gas station. I don't know how. You're like, well, that's kind of corny. I know this. If I get sick, I want her praying for me. Because she actually believes that it works. Lean. Lean a little bit. How does the Holy Spirit really help us, though? How does he? Again, you could take your culture, you could take your experiences. Some of you may go, I have limited experience with what you're talking about, Pastor. You could take, again, your personality. You could take your culture. But if you don't know a person, who better to introduce us to than Jesus himself? Like, let's not take our experiences because they could lead us the wrong way. Let's not take our personality. Let's not take our culture. Let's let Jesus introduce us to this person that he said, it's to your advantage that you have a relationship with him. So I'm just gonna take the major themes that Jesus gives this first week. The first thing he says is he guides us. He's guiding us all along the way, by the way. He's the one that guides us. We pay so much money today for consultants. I'm not against getting good consulting. I'm not against getting good wisdom. But I wanna tell some of you this. In your business, in your home, in your family, in your life, with your marriage, you have the most genius consultant on the planet named the Holy Spirit who can guide you if you would quit pushing him out. You invite him in. He guides us. He guides us in the whole spiritual journey. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. I wanna give you something here as we start foundationally that I think is very important. Some of you are gonna recognize these words, a lot of you may not, okay? We have a lot of newly saved people. We have a lot of people from different backgrounds and it's very important that I lay this out because I believe it's in these realms that a lot of people get confused about the Holy Spirit, okay? There's three terms that the salvific work of God, three terms are banner terms that are found, we just read two of them in that passage that sums them up, that are very important in categorizing this soteriology, the the study of salvation, the way God guides us into relationship with him, and they are these three words, justification, sanctification, and glorification. You say, what does that mean, pastor? Well, let me say it to you as simple as possible, don't get hung up in the words. Justification is when you become right with God when God saves you. It happens through the Holy Spirit. He's the one that draws us to God. Easter of this year, we had the most people saved of any Easter, and it was I was praying about Easter, God said, just talk about how I'm drawing them. The Bible says no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit of God draws people into relationship. If you have somebody in your life that you're praying for, what you need to pray is the Holy Spirit turns the light bulbs on. Because you know what? Without the Holy Spirit in your life, you're dumb. 
It is amazing to me. He draws us, he convicts us of sin, our need for God. He causes our spirit to come alive. We become a new creation in Christ when the Holy Spirit comes in. And after so many years of doing this, I am still baffled by how it happens. You are just dumb, you are just lost, you are just darkened in your understanding. You can't understand, the. you're just like, I don't get it, I don't get it. You get saved, you invite the Holy Spirit and he comes into your life, you get a new nature, you get the Spirit of God working in you and it's amazing, you're smarter in like 30 minutes than you were for 30 years. It's like, wow, boom, I got, whoa, man, wow, who, boom, oh because the Holy Spirit guides you into truth. You, you were lost, and then like on a piece of paper when you have a word processor, you left justify those letters and they get lined up with God's desire for your life. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. You open yourself to it, he does all of it. But here's where a lot of people get confused. He didn't just save us so we'd just go to heaven because we're right with him. It's like, boom, I got another one. Boom, come on up to heaven. Glorification is when we see him and know him as we know ourselves. When we go to heaven, and if you have the person of Jesus Christ through the person of the Holy Spirit, you go into heaven, all things are perfect, and man, it's all glorified. We have our glorified bodies. We fellowship with God. It's an amazing thing. That's later. This middle ground, sanctification, he works in us. The Spirit of God. He reminds us of everything Jesus said. He leads us. He guides us into truth. And he empowers us and he fills us in our lives to be witnesses. And this is where a lot of people get confused because you say, we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit and based on your experience, you may have grown up in the sanctified church. What's the Spirit of God doing now? Have you been sanctified? Have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? Have you been empowered? You're like, we need some of that. And a lot of times if you live over there, you forget the finished work of the cross, that there's already been a work done. The Spirit of God already lives inside of you. And you a lot of times try to earn favor with God is the weakness of that. However, some of us grew up in that church where we got saved, we're justified, I have the cross and Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in me and you start talking to someone about we're gonna preach on the Holy Spirit and you think you already graduated. You think somebody's trying to mess with what you already have. It's not about messing with what you already have but it is about the sanctification journey you have more participation in. You have more, you're more a part of the process of that. You, you can grieve the Holy Spirit in that. When you invite him in to save you, he does all the saving, all the changing, all the regeneration. And he still does the empowering, but we have a part to play in it. In this journey, we'll talk some about the saving work of the Holy Spirit to make us right with God, but we're gonna spend some time talking about how we grow in God in the sanctification area because he's guiding us in it. Here's the second thing, though. He comforts us. He comforts us. We have painful things in life that we go through, challenges. And I want you to understand, if you, if you don't have a relationship with God, wherever you're at, you're comforting yourself in some manner. If you don't know how to get comfort from the Holy Spirit, you're trying to find comfort in another place, in an addiction in controlling your circumstances, in saying, I will control everything in my life so that I don't get hurt. 
it gives you comfort because you have it, quote unquote, under control until you don't. We look for comfort. We want to feel safe. We want to feel at peace. And the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, when he begins, when you begin to have an active relationship with him, he begins to give you comfort. I realized this in college. I was called to ministry at 12 years old, and in college I was running from being a pastor because I didn't think we could really win at it. I just didn't know if I could do it. I just didn't, I didn't know if I wanted to be a part of that. I now say the local church is the hope of the world. In my 20s, I thought it has no hope. I'm sorry, but that's just where I was. I didn't think we could really go for it, you know? And so I was like, well, I'll be a counselor. And th that helped because God uses it all. And I spent some time studying and working in those areas. And one of the assignments I had as an internship was working at a hospital. And I was real concerned because I was like in my 20s and I didn't want to say something wrong and I didn't know what to say. And I'll never forget an, a, an older gentleman who had grown up in a more spirit-empowered type environment. And he, he just shared with me, he said, Jeff, they're, they're looking for comfort. It's not about what you say, it's about the presence you bring with you. It's not about what you say, it's about the presence of God that comes there. It was like light bulbs went off in me. I realized when I would show up, I, I didn't always have to say the right thing. Look, when people are in pain, they're not looking for five facts. They're looking for the experiential relationship with God saying, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. I see your circumstance. They're looking for comfort. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. He comes alongside us to help us. And so Jesus gives two big things there, guide. Who wouldn't like a little more wisdom and a little more direction and a little more consulting in life? Number one question I'm asked as a pastor is, what's God's will for my life? Should we have this many kids? Should we move here? Should we buy this house? Should we start this business? What is God saying? The Holy Spirit will guide you if you will allow him. He'll guide you along the way. He'll guide you into the truth of scripture. He'll speak to you through the word. The word is dry without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's just dry. But the word and spirit combination is a powerful combination. He, he comforts us. Who, who, who doesn't have a situation in life along the way where we don't need comfort? And what I've learned is people who have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, even in pain, become softer, become more magnetic, become more life-giving in pain. How you handle your painful moments will have a lot to do with whether or not you dismiss the Holy Spirit or invite the Holy Spirit into your situation. But there's a third thing Jesus says. He doesn't just have his farewell discourse. Before he ascends into heaven, he says, this is the purpose of my spirit coming upon you on the day of Pentecost. He gives a very clarifying statement. He says he will empower us, which is what we're gonna talk about in this series. We're gonna talk about the power available through the Holy Spirit and how we access that in our lives. He says this, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now some of you are like, well, wait a minute, that's before Pentecost, the Spirit hasn't been poured out. Well in John 20, he breathed on them. In Acts 1.8, he's telling them about what will happen at Pentecost and it happens at Pentecost. In Acts chapter four, they're in some difficult circumstances and they pray and the place where they're at is shaken and they are all filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you have not even thought about the fact that the Holy Spirit wants to do more than just save you. He wants to empower you. He wants to fill you with power from heaven. Some of you are like, well I did that, 1963, I was filled with the Holy Ghost, well it's time for another dose. 
It's time for another interaction. You need new power for new challenges. New levels bring new devils. New circumstances, new situations. But he told them, what's the difference in these scared, running, Peter denying him disciples that we see before what Jesus promises here and Peter stepping up on the day of Pentecost and thousands of people coming to Christ and most of them losing their life for the gospel? What's the difference in those little scaredy cat disciples and these emboldened disciples? What Jesus says here, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird, irrelevant, crazy, or goofy. He makes you a witness. It's the very life-giving presence and character of God that begins to come into tangible reality for people. People are hungry to meet God. And when the Spirit of God, who's active and present in a believer's life, what happens is you begin to be witnesses and show people. Sometimes people who have had experiences with the Holy Spirit, when they talk about the move of God, they're trying to recreate a moment they had with God 20 years ago. Sometimes they say, when are you gonna let God? We baptized one weekend 80-something people. A lady in the foyer said, when are you gonna let God move here? That's where I lost my hair. I just, it just fell out. What? Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses to a dark world that'll look at you and go, I want what they have. I want what they have. I want how their marriage relationship, I want their relationship with their, I want that, not us, but the Spirit of God in us. It makes people see God in you. You shall receive power when it comes upon you. Who doesn't need some more power? During February, during the Ice-Mageddon storm, we found some water, but every day I was talking to our team, praying that we would find some generators. Man, if we would have had an 18-wheeler of generators, can y'all, man, I'm telling you, you talk about showing Jesus to our whole community. By the way, we're gonna stockpile them, I think, now for the next storm. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying? We just store them somewhere. You don't really care about power till you don't have any. When you don't have any, you're like, wow, I could use some power. Gets cold, gets scary. Things that you take for granted don't work. We saw that in February. And did you know there's a lot of Christian people who have a lot of facts about God and no power? And after a while, what you fail at long enough, you eventually quit. But when the Spirit of God's working on a consistent basis and there's power from God working there. Years ago, I thought about this analogy. For me, I thank God for my heritage. I grew up in a church where we learned to love the Word of God. I learned about Jesus. I learned a lot about the Bible. We saw people come to know Jesus. But I thought of it this way. We, we knew how to build a great fireplace. I grew up with a great theological heritage and went on to study theology and Bible and scripture. And I want you to know, again, you need a good fireplace of understanding of how God works through the word of God. But man, we had a great fireplace. We only had one problem. It wasn't much fire. Like people just came and goes, that's a great fireplace.
See, the spirit of God in the sanctification journey is the experiential side of God. That's why a lot of times people understand that's part of the recipe here. People come in and when they're new, they're kind of like, are we supposed to participate? I don't get it. Because maybe you grew up with a good fireplace, but how do you know? I mean, you know, a good fireplace without any warmth is just a good fireplace. I then went over and hung out with the people who know how to build fires. By the way, some people dismiss that group of people. They see people get healed. You know why? Because they pray for people to get healed. They see God move. They experience God. There's an only problem was I got over there with them and we burned the place down before we got it under control. <laughs> I believe the word and the spirit, the wine and the wineskin. The marriage of the fireplace and the fire is a dynamic combination. It's a dynamic combination. It is what I see in scripture. Throughout this series, we're gonna talk about, do you need a little more fireplace? I suspect most of you need a little more fire. Most of you need a little more fire. Some of you go, I remember the fire. Well, let's, let's light it back up again. When's the last time you prayed for someone? When's the last time you experienced the Holy Spirit? When's the last time God did something in your life that you were like, wow. Wow, only God through the person of the Holy Spirit, could perform that. I had one of those the other day. I'll share it with you. It started with a box of books that needed to be shredded. This is a book we use in 301. I wrote it years ago. It's kind of our story. People use it and, you know, no one buys it on Amazon, but you read it in 301. It's our story. It's our values, it's our DNA. And so we use it here at Milestone to remind us of who we are and I talk about what I'm talking about even this series in this book. We had to reprint some and we had a printing error. And so we got them back and the cover's supposed to be white. The coffee cup ring is actually modeled after me waking up seeing my mom with her prayer list and her Bible open praying over us and her coffee would cup would get a little coffee under it and set it on the white napkin and so I did the cover after what I woke up most morning seeing my mom there with the coffee cup and that book we got the print back it wasn't white with the coffee cup it was blue so we had all these books that needed to be shredded so we had this box. I would walk by this box of books all the time, just brought back here in storage. This box, when are they going to shred them? Amazing thing happened. Young man, 24 years old, named Troy, was working for the company that was going to shred the damaged books so we could get new ones. And he came, and he had a family who'd been praying for him. He sent me an email. He said, I've been a very vocal atheist my entire adult life, which he's 24, which isn't that long. Parents praying for him, married, comes here to shred the books. Met a friend who started talking to him about Jesus and started praying for him and shared some things with him. And he said, hey, if the Holy Spirit's real, you have nothing to lose if you wanna keep where you're at, but why don't you just ask him to reveal himself to you? He said, I don't think it's worth it. 
I don't think it's worth it. He came to shred the books, asked the guy that's the manager, can I have one of them? He sent me an email and said, I sat down with it and read half of it that night and he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. It was so crazy, so crazy. You ever have one of these things where he wrote the email, I'm like, this isn't real, it's fake. Y'all know what I'm saying? I told one of our pastors, I'm like, you gotta meet the guy. He came to church and he, he's, he's involved, God's connecting him, amazing, Troy. That reminded me, the Holy Spirit is active and working in the earth to reveal himself to people. I, I know that's just my recent one, but what's waiting for you on the backside of you kind of stop just edging him out, invite him in. What story's waiting of what he wants to do because he's actively working in the earth? I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. Have you pushed God out of your life? He wants to make things right between you and God. You've been looking for comfort and guide and truth in other areas, but he knows you. All you have to say is, Lord, I invite you into my life. I believe you died on the cross, Jesus. I believe you ascended into heaven. You left your spirit here for us, with us. You're present, so I receive you today. Become my Lord and Savior, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, you've been made right. He saved you. I'm gonna ask you to let us know so we can help you start your journey. But I wanna pray for a second group of people and I'm gonna ask you as we go through this series where we're gonna talk about a lot of different aspects, I'm asking you just to do one thing. Maybe right now, in this moment, say, God, I, just between you and him, God, I, I don't wanna rely on my experiences. I, I don't wanna rely on my fears, my culture, my personality. I wanna open myself up to you. He's a person. Holy Spirit, I invite you to move and be active in my heart and life. Pray that prayer. And Lord, I thank you that by your spirit, not by might, not by our own strength and power, but by your spirit, you're gonna show up in our lives in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.